Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. Sunny skies out there. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. It's not the same as in the past. Labor Day weekend here in Atlanta traditionally means a huge college football game. Atlanta's Black Gay Pride and the International Fantasy Pop Culture and Science Fiction Convention known as Dragon Con but not this year. So many of us need that release of DragonCon, need that connection, and we're doing everything we can to connect people in conversation, to present panels, to present online content. It's going to be some great stuff. That conversation coming up in just a moment. And of course, the reason why none of these events are taking place, well, obviously the pandemic. So speaking of Labor Day, Governor Brian Kemp is calling on Georgians to continue following social distancing measures going into this big holiday weekend. Just be smart about what you're doing. Limit your gatherings. Um, If you can't do that or you're in an environment where there's a lot of people, make sure you're wearing your mask and socially distance. Be respectful of, of other people. Now, Georgia's weekly average of new coronavirus cases has been trending down for about three weeks, and the governor says he wants that to continue. Now, at this time, the State Department of Public Health reports since March, There are 272,697 confirmed COVID-19 cases. There are 24,847 hospitalized, and of those, 4,537 are ICU admissions. And the number of Georgians who have died due to the coronavirus, 5,733. This according to the Georgia Department of Public Health. And speaking of the Department of Public Health, Commissioner Kathleen Toomey is encouraging more Georgians to go out and get tested. I think others are still operating under the assumption that there's a long way to get an appointment and a long way to get the test back. And and so we are working hard to get information out to make everyone aware that we have more than adequate testing capacity and urge people to be tested. Now, that was Dr. Toomey on WABE's podcast, Did You Wash Your Hands?, hosted by our own health reporter, Sam Whitehead, and he joins me now. Sam, as always, I appreciate you taking the time with the latest coronavirus-related news. Hey, Rose. Thanks, as always, for having me. Well, first, let's begin here because it's is rare to get a one-on-one with Dr. Toomey. I will say it has been a minute since uh, I have spoken with her, and it's actually been a little bit of time since she's appeared at a uh, press event. So uh, I don't know how rare it is, but it's certainly been a while since I've spoken with her. Well, Sam, we are coming upon traditionally what's a very big weekend here in Georgia, Labor Day weekend. Things will be a little bit different. There's no football. There's no Dragon Con. However, there are concerns about folks like with Memorial Day, everybody may be flocking to the lakes or even to the beaches. We keep hearing about can Georgia avoid another spike. What does Dr. Toomey say about all this? 
Sure. This is a concern that's on the minds of public health officials. Governor Brian Kemp uh, has talked about this. And Rose, you mentioned those those big events where I think people think of lots of disease spreading. But I think another thing to keep in mind here is, you know, this could be a backyard barbecue. This could be a block party. This doesn't have to be a massive event like Dragon Con. The concern of public health experts and state officials here is that after Memorial Day, we did see this spike in cases in Georgia, and they're worried that people getting together for the Labor Day weekend could drive cases up. We have seen some recent progress here in the state, but the concern is we're in a very different place than we were at the start of summer. We still have case numbers that are well elevated from where they were in June, and the flu season is coming up, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this concern that if we have another spike moving into the fall, we could have COVID and flu circulating at the same time, and that could really put a strain on our healthcare system. How much of what you just said is also related to Governor Kemp releasing another video about, you know, the four things for fall for folks to remember? I think it's 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 all of a piece, right? The governor from the start of this pandemic has really focused on encouraging, suggesting people take these actions that opposed to some states which have put mandates in place for things like masks. Certainly we have a number of localities here in Metro Atlanta and across the state that have put in mask requirements that people wear face coverings when they're in public. Um, but that's something the governor has really shied away from, right? And this uh, four things for fall campaign started out earlier this summer when it was a do four things for four weeks campaign. Um, and now it's been extended uh, because, you know, and the governor told our uh, very own Emma Hurt yesterday at a, a press event he was at in Gwinnett County um, that there is real concern that with schools getting back in person with the Labor Day holiday, um, the governor is worried that we could mm -hmm. see some of our recent gains that we've seen driving cases down, driving hospitalizations down, that, that all that could be pretty easily undone. I want to go back to Dr. Toomey for a moment because the CDC recently reported that people who do not have symptoms but don't necessarily need to get tested, even if they've been exposed to someone who did have the virus. But then Dr. Toomey, in your conversation, I understand, says the state will not follow these new testing guidelines by the CDC. What's the reasoning here? Sure. So this guidance from the CDC was quietly changed last week. And once uh, reporters started to notice this, um, raised a lot of eyebrows in the public health community. You have a right, the CDC guidance now says, even if you, Rose, have been exposed to someone with coronavirus, if you don't have symptoms, you don't necessarily need to get tested. Now, what this guidance does say is that the decision of whether or not you should get tested should be left up to local public health officials. And that's essentially what the state is doing here. The state is saying, we're not gonna follow this, you know, kind of wishy-washy language from the CDC. Uh, Dr. Toomey said, everyone who's been exposed will get tested even if they don't have symptoms. Now, the state's main tool still at this point for people who have been exposed is quarantine, is self-isolation. So the, the standard in Georgia still seems to be, if you've been exposed to someone who you know is infected, you're gonna be strongly encouraged to isolate. You'll be tested when you show symptoms if you do, and if you don't show symptoms, you'll still be tested anyway. Sam, let's talk about numbers and let's give our listeners sort of an update. We had heard recently that Georgia's numbers were getting a little bit better, but what are you hearing in terms of where Georgia is in terms of new confirmed cases, deaths, and hospitalizations? 
Sure. You know, in WABE, we're tracking these numbers every day when they're released by the State Department of Public Health. And just scanning them now, I mean, if we look at the number of new cases reported, we're at levels that we haven't seen since early July, right? So that's what that's when numbers were, were really climbing here in Georgia. So that's a good sign. Hospitalizations are also about the same point. Per state records, we haven't seen these numbers since early July. What happens, though, is not all of these indicators move in the same way, right? So we have cases and hospitalizations going down, while at the same time we have deaths um, counted by our State Department of Public Health, really at, at records at levels we haven't seen since the start of the pandemic. Um, we've had a number of days in the last month or so where our state officials have counted about 100 deaths uh, attributable to the coronavirus. Um, this is not 100 people dying in one day, of course, because sometimes these deaths happen months and months ago, and then they're added to our state records. Um, but that's what public health experts would say we would expect. Even as cases are going down, deaths are kind of the last indicator to show any kind of movement. So. You know, we're still seeing those, those high numbers. And I think the question is, when will those start to go down? Because while our cases and hospitalizations are down in Georgia, they're still not to the levels where they were when the governor issued a shelter-in-place order or even when he lifted that shelter-in-place order. So there's still a lot of space they have to move down. Meanwhile, another report from the White House Coronavirus Task Force, which is a regular report on the virus nationwide. You obtained the latest state report for Georgia. What stood out for you? For the first time in a few weeks, Georgia was not at the bottom uh, of uh, states in the country when it came to new cases. So this latest task force report, which was dated from the 30th of August, these come out on Sundays, mm -hmm. um, said Georgia was seventh in the country when it comes to new cases per 100,000 people. The week before, Georgia had been second in the country. The week prior to that, Georgia led the country, right? So mm -hmm. we are seeing some positive movement um, just with some of our metrics. Um, still, though, the, the, these reports have really highlighted how fragile these gains are, mm. um, that these this positive movement in numbers can be very easily undone. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me about this last report was just how much testing has declined here in the state for the last two weeks. So hmm. based on the White House report, um, the state has conducted about 25 percent fewer uh, of a very specific kind of diagnostic test, the kind of gold standard diagnostic test over the last two weeks. And that's been concerning to some public health officials because the less we test, the less we have a really clear sense of what the pandemic looks like in Georgia, mm -hmm. right? So there's this question of these numbers for cases and hospitalizations, infections are going down, but how much of that is affected by our decline in testing? We, we, we just don't know that. Well, and Sam, this report also lays out some recommendations for Georgia, including scaling up testing and contact tracing, also expanding the testing capacity at the universities and in nursing homes, and of course, encouraging people to limit those social gatherings to fewer than 10 people. Do you know, is there any message from the governor's office that they'll take these guidance into consideration? So the, the latest executive order we have from the governor, which was just released a few days ago, uh, still doesn't take the social gathering limit down to that few people to 10. It, I believe it still sits at 50. Um, when it comes to expanding testing capacity, I mean, this is something that the state has been working on for months and months and months, really since the start of the pandemic. Um, the, the issue, I think, though, and this is something that I talked about with Dr. Toomey, is actually making sure that this testing gets to people, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's this big mega testing site that we've heard about that's been set up down at the Atlanta airport for a number of weeks now. 
But if you don't have a car uh, and you can't necessarily take off work during a weekday, which is the only time this site is open, um, this is a site that's not accessible to you, right? So, you know, in the early days that this site was open, it can process 5,000 tests, but only something like 1,500 people were getting tested. So I think there's this real disconnect that we're starting to see uh, between actually having the testing capacity and making sure that you can target that capacity to the communities where it's really needed. And finally, Sam, as we mentioned coming into this segment, we talked about the big Labor Day weekend that's not as big as it used to be traditionally. But if if it's possible that folks can adhere to all these guidelines, might this be that that pivotal point for Georgia where we really, really start to flatten the curve? You know, I think so. The thing that I've taken away from my conversations with you know, people in the public health world as of late is that as we're seeing numbers decline in Georgia, now is really the time for us to try to push those numbers down even more, right? We can't rest on our laurels and say, oh, well, cases are declining, hospitalizations are declining, because like I said, they still have a lot of room that they can move before we really truly flatten that curve, which let's remember, that doesn't mean plateau the curve. Mm -hmm. That means getting case transmission down to to numbers that are near zero. That means getting rid of this thing in the state of Georgia. And so with this coming Labor Day weekend, it's the end of summer. It's traditionally a time that people gather. Public health experts are saying, do a few things, you know, wear a mask, really try to avoid gatherings if you can. Outside is, is better than inside. Um, you know, stay away from really, really big events. They're really asking people to do things that they've done all year and really have shown that they've had an effect over the course of the summer, right? Our numbers are improving here in Georgia. And so is this a major inflection point? Yes. I think this, this is a weekend where we can look back and say people either took this advice to heart, they did the right thing, um, and Georgia continued to see progress, or we had outbreaks that have really put an additional strain on our healthcare infrastructure moving into flu season, you know, a time of year when it's not unusual for our healthcare uh, infrastructure to already be strained. We shall see a big weekend for another reason. WABE Sam Whitehead, our health reporter and host of the podcast, Did You Wash Your Hands? Sam, thanks as always for taking the time and giving our listeners the latest update on the coronavirus right here in Georgia. I really appreciate it, Sam. Thank you, Russ. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. I got to tell you. Labor Day weekend, as you all know, if you've been following this program, you know how important Labor Day weekend has always been for me. And it's been because of Dragon Con and also a big weekend for college football. Well, as they say, 
things must go on, including Dragon Con, that is, even though if it's just virtually. But you can still get your costumes and everything else ready. Pre-pandemic, the International Fantasy Pop Culture and Science Fiction Convention attracted a huge crowd and attendees in downtown Atlanta during the Labor Day weekend. It's going to be different this year. And for the first time in 34 years, and obviously in an effort to keep people safe, well, the convention staff, well, they're all hosting Dragon Con in a virtual setting. And joining me now to talk about all this is Dan Carroll, as he always does, Director of Media Engagement for Dragon Con. Dan, good to talk to you again. This is the first time, well, I guess the second time, that we've had a virtual connection and talking about Dragon Con. What do you make of this year, man? Oh, Rose, this is this is a crazy year, and we at Dragon Con are doing the best we can um, to maintain that connection that our Dragon Con family has to provide the best virtual programming we can and, and to make sure that we remind everybody that we're going to be here for them next year. But this year, we're taking it to the Internet. Let's get to that, because for those folks, those attendees, uh, it will be different. But this time it's free for everybody. I mean, you know, there's no badge you have to get and all that. Right. Oh, that's true. I mean, for, for years, we have said that uh, the Dragon Con Parade is our way of giving back to the city of Atlanta, to the community. Uh, and we've never charged for the parade because it's a parade mm-hmm. and the Internet the virtual dragon con dragon con goes virtual this is our gift to everybody who has put up with so much this year who who is uh, so many of us are suffering in one way or another so uh, i myself am a giant extrovert and i'm locked in my apartment um so so many of us um need that release of dragon con need that connection and we're doing everything we can to connect people in conversation to present panels to present online content uh it's going to be some great stuff mm-hmm. and you know dan we have to to stop and reflect on the passing of chadwick bozeman who obviously played king t'challa in the black panther movie um, your thoughts on his legacy and in, in playing that superhero i think that uh for myself, he brought to life and he consolidated 40 years of or more of T'Challa in the comic books. And, and you know, I, I listened to somebody who's an expert on this talk about how every comic book creator created him a little bit different, <laughs> changed his dialogue up. But for everyone, even people reading comic books who've been reading for years, we think of T'Challa and we think... Black Panther is Chadwick Boseman and and not just his work there uh, producing, in my opinion, the finest uh, Marvel movie, the Black Panther, but also uh, the fact that he's he's created in such a short period of time, this legacy of films, including 42, mm-hmm. um, obviously addressing uh th- representation in a way that few other actors have and it, to see him leave us so young is just is just beyond tragic and i also understand that for those who will be attending dragon con virtually there will be some portals for folks to check out well uh, yes so first thing we're going to do is present three live streaming channels of dc tv and that's going to be available through roku through uh, DCTV, through Vimeo. 
And more information at www.dragoncon.org. I don't think anybody wants to hear me read URLs. We want to talk <laughs> about what's exciting here. Uh, and those three channels uh, that are available are going to be live content in our main streaming. And not all of it's going to be live, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, but that 20 years of DragonCon TV content that we have, the best of what we've gone through, the best of what we've shown over the years uh, is going to be shown on the second channel. And uh, the third channel is going to be programming tracks. And the way the programming tracks worked was uh, we have 35 for 36 tracks at DragonCon, each representing a different specialty. Some are costuming, some are Star Wars, some are Asian films, some are uh, music. And we take the best of that and, and they created content all summer long to make sure that we'll have something good and, and, and interesting. Uh, and that's going to be on that channel. But that main channel, I want to go back to that for a second, Rose, because this is, this is probably the things that really excite me about this year. Mm -hmm. In terms of community building and in terms of creativity, we're going to have the Dragon Con Parade after all. How are you going to do that? Not, we're going <laughs> to do it virtually. Uh, and, and the way it works is uh, over the summer, people marched in costumes and videotaped themselves, or I guess they recorded them with a camera. Nobody uses videotape anymore. Uh, they used a camera. They, they recorded themselves. They, they, they took their submissions, and we had over 100 submissions, and many of them having more than, more than one marcher. And again, these people understand the severity of uh, the situation, socially distanced. So we're going to have that socially distanced virtual parade. Uh, we're going to add commentary to it, edit it together, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. And costumes are a big deal at Dragon Con. You might have noticed if you've been there. Uh, and we, we haven't forgotten those costume contests that people love. One of the most popular events at Dragon Con is the masquerade, where not only do you wear a costume, you actually go out and act out whatever you're wearing. And we're going to do that virtually too. Uh, the submissions were all sent in, and and uh, a couple of weeks ago was the deadline, and that's being edited together with commentary, and uh, and prizes will be awarded, and we'll also have other costume contests. The old classic Friday costume contest, which is based solely on technique and quality, uh, that'll be there, and even the hallway costume, where normally we just take pictures of people and then we vote, but this time. Uh, the pictures have all been submitted. So we're trying to do everything we can to to create that spirit of Dragon Con. Dan, I think the pandemic has changed a, a lot in what we do and how we do it and, and when we do it. When you reflect on what this convention means to so many people, and I remember when back when you and I first had a conversation about y'all had made the decision to be virtual and someone on social media said, you know, why is Rose Scott talking about Dragon Con? And it's like, but, you know, this is a really, Dragon Con has always been an event for folks to let loose, break out of a shell. It's a family event. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, and maybe it's just only one summer. But for some folks, this is a really big blow to them. It, it is. Uh, there's there's a large number of people who base their calendar year-round Dragon Con. 
uh, and not just a lot of people, a lot of businesses. The economic impact of Dragon Con is, is staggering in, in my estimation. Uh, and not just mine, but the Atlantic Convention and Visitor Bureau backs it up every year, uh, letting us know what a difference we made to the city. Uh, the, the, the hotel partners we have, the restaurants that support Dragon Con community. And, and for those people who've never come, they just, uh, I, I get a lot of comments that, oh, I know it's coming because there are people on MARTA who are dressed in costumes. But it's, it's, it's more than that. We're, we're talking we, an estimated 90,000 people coming to Dragon Con in 2020 who won't be coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a very personal level, a lot of my friends from other states, I won't get to see them to next year. Uh, and that's not just me. That's everybody at DragonCon who has their once-a-year friends. I have you know, friends we, we that talk. I see. You know we have uh, mutual friends Absolutely. that we only get to see once a year. So, it, But um, we'll be back next year, right? We will. We will. And, and one of the – that was definitely a core consideration was to make sure that uh, we preserved – uh, we preserved membership next year. So if you had a paid membership for this year, it was covered and brought forward. Uh, we've made sure that people who had hotel reservations, those reservations were pulled forward. And we've worked with everyone um, to make sure we, we've protected our community and our city. Dan, as we wrap up, and you know, I know you have been involved with DragonCon for such a long time, and although we have the the virtual setting here, it is a financial hit, as you just mentioned. How is the organization doing? What can you tell me in terms of the organization for this year? And it was a financial hit. Well, I, I can tell you this. Uh, there was no doubt we were going to make that decision. Uh, and once we've realized what, what the factors involved were what the safety of our our constituency was and uh we also uh, there was uh, and again i'm not involved in that side of the house but they wanted to make sure that they could put on an epic dragon con in 2021 Mm -hmm. and all i know is the pieces are in place we'll be back next year um we don't know if we're going to be bigger but we know we're going to do everything we can to make it epic so uh, probably one thing, Rose, I didn't mention that should be covered mm-hmm. is when I talked about that online and community and we talked about the fact that it's free, we also go into www.dragoncon.org. You can find out information about joining our DragonCon Discord. And addition to the TV, the Discord is going to have some great stuff for you in terms of online gaming you can watch competitions you can play mm. online games uh and you can communicate and if you've never been to dragon con before it's a great way to meet people who have experience who know the the convention uh and get yourself excited for next year so for that but all the information regarding this year's dragon con it's dragoncon.org yes yes indeed dragoncon.org all right dan carroll the director of media engagement at dragon con Dan, as always, I appreciate you taking the time. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much. And everyone in Atlanta, stay safe. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. Atlanta's choice for NPR, I'm Rose Scott. Take a listen to this. Why is it important to you that there's a movie like this that represents black heroes? 
it's it's important because I didn't I didn't have this growing up, yeah. and you know just seeing I'm I'm still I'm still a kid. You know, there's a kid in each in each one of us, and so I just know what it's gonna mean to you when you see it. Um, that it, it can give you a certain type of confidence uh, when you walk through the world, and it also make people that that look like you see you in a different light and not judge you a particular way. That's actor Chadwick Boseman speaking with a little girl in 2018 on Good Morning America. And he was speaking with this little girl who was in the audience dressed up as Black Panther. And now this was just before the Marvel film was released in theaters in the U.S. And also keep in mind, some of the movie was actually filmed right here in Atlanta. Now, Chadwick Boseman died last Friday. He died from colon cancer. He was just 43 years old. And there were tributes across social media timelines from celebrities, comic book fans, activists, government leaders, former President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle all paying tribute to a man they say was actually a real-life superhero. And in South Carolina, Governor Henry McMaster ordered the flags atop the state house lowered to have staff in memory of Bozeman, a South Carolina native. And joining me now is Tony Cade. He's the owner of Challenge Comics and Games, a black-owned comic book store and gaming store located inside of North DeKalb Mall. He joins me now to talk about the impact Bozeman's Black Panther had on so many throughout the world. Tony, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Rose. Let's begin here. Let's go back to all the buzz a couple years ago before Black Panther was going to be released. I imagine it was really busy in your comic book store and gaming store. Oh, luckily here in the theater, in the mall that I'm in, we actually have a movie theater. Mm-hmm. So people walk by the shop every day. And of course, I make sure that there's no way they can like not see it. <laughs> so of course, I had like all my... Black Panther merchandise in the display window. We had the action figures, statues, T-shirts. You know, we even have Black Panther dresses. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious, Tony, did a lot of people come in wanting to get the backstory of T'Challa, wanting to know, hey, how far back can we go in, in the comic books? When, when was the Black Panther character, the superhero, actually, I guess, introduced? Well, he was actually introduced in uh, the Fantastic Four comic book. Uh, actually, it's kind of early in the morning, but I actually believe it's Fantasy Four number 52. I actually have that book. It's the first appearance of the Black Panther, and that's when he was introduced. It was years later that uh, Jack Kirby actually uh, produced a comic book with just him as an individual character. But he was introduced in the Fantastic Four and later on became a member of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And actually, right now in the present-day comic books, the Black Panther is the leader of the Avengers. You know, diehard comic book fans they are very particular about when a movie comes out does it follow the storyline when you saw black panther and obviously it was updated to you know to fit the more modern time period what did you think did it capture or do you not worry about that oh no it's something that fans definitely worry about um luckily when they were doing the research for the black panther movie they used a lot of the source material that had been written in the stories by christopher priest and also Reginald Hutland. And so uh, those are two authors that are basically, you know, credited with having some of the most successful Black Panther runs. And when you watch the movie, you can see the elements from both of their storylines over the years were used in the making of the movie. And what did you make of Chatwick Bozeman's performance? His performance was awesome. I mean, if, if you basically look at, you know, Jess, 
from his career from the age of you know 35 to to, to 43 he got to play all of these iconic characters mm-hmm. and he was able to show the complete range of his acting talents that he could do different accents he could do uh, different cadences he could do different languages you know this is an actor that for me even though uh he didn't have a chance to have a really long career you know to me he's easily on par as far as like what he's able to do with someone like Sidney Portier or you know anybody else and stuff who's you know had a long time career you know even like even Denzel mm. and you know for fans who are either team Marvel or team DC can I ask which way do you lean I'm team Marvel all the way huh oh uh, yeah to me you know reading comics growing up you know you know, way back in the day, you know, when comic books were just a quarter, you know, <laughs> I used to go to the convenience store and the Marvel comics were always like the serials. They would basically have connecting storylines. So you'd have to keep up with what was going on every single month. And it, they hooked you into the story and introduced you to, to new characters. Whereas like the, a lot of times with like the DC comics, they would give you like a little one shot adventure mm-hmm. and then whatever happened happened and it didn't have any connection to the next storyline. But later on, they introduced the whole, you know, multi-universe thing, which basically says, oh, yeah, these stories took places in different universes. That's the reason that we didn't actually have to have a connection from one story to the next. And Tony, you started collecting comics at the age of nine. Did you know then that, you know what, when I get older, I'm going to have my own comic book store. I did not. Actually, you know, I, I had the problem and stuff of like, you know, most teenage boys uh, that I'd been collecting. But when I got to be a teenager, you know, I was looking around and stuff and I was like, hey, it'd be really nice if I had a car. You know, I could have so much fun if I had a car. And of course, I had no job at the time. And so uh, I went to my dad. He would have been, you know, supportive of my collecting habit, you know, up until that point. And I was like, dad, I think I'm going to sell my comic books so I can get me a car. Uh, my father looked at me and basically was like, boy, I'm going to beat your beep, you know, <laughs> if you sell those books. You didn't sell them, you did know. you, Tony? I did not sell them. Okay. I did not sell them. And like I said, you know, cars have come and gone. Life experiences have come and gone. But, you know, my comics are, you know, still with me and they're they're taking care of me. Let's talk about challenges, comics and games. How have you been doing during this pandemic? Uh, things have definitely changed um, here. Uh, at the shop, we're like, you know, that's why we have like games first before comics, because we basically had shifted into becoming uh, one of the premier game stores, you know, in the city. And so uh, we did a lot of events. We do board gaming events, collectible card game events. Uh, we hold like different tournaments. And because of, you know, the pandemic, you know, it's social distancing. So the idea of having like 50 people, you know, in your store you know, playing games, you know, that's like a no-no right now. Mm. And so since I was a big, you know, chunk of our business, you know, things, you know, have had to get trimmed down a lot. But we're still doing pretty good. We're hanging in there. We went to curbside service. We created a website uh, that was connected to our POS system so that everything you see on our website is actually in the store. And so we're able to, you know, do the inventory up and down depending on, you know, what we have in store. Since the death of Chadwick Boseman, have you had people calling or inquiring about 
Black Panther comics? Uh, not really comics. People have come in looking for the action figures and the statues and the T-shirts. There's something, you know, I learned a long time ago back when the X-Men movie came out, mm-hmm. is that the people who follow the cartoons and the movies aren't necessarily the people who actually want to go and read about the properties. Maybe to a listener that may, may be surprising. Is that is that typical? Unfortunately, it's typical. And, you know, when, when most of the time and stuff, uh, when the, I guess the, the debates come up about information of characters, you can actually easily tell those people who are talking about characters from the stories they've read in the comic books mm-hmm. compared to those people that are only giving information that they've even seen in a movie or a cartoon. But nevertheless, it brought a lot of folks to the Black Panther story, the Black Panther origin, which a lot of folks didn't know about. So I guess at the end of the day, that's what's really important. Where do you think we go from here in terms of Hollywood and and movies? I've heard people say to honor Bozeman's legacy, maybe you don't try to bring in another actor. Some say, do you pick up the storyline? I don't want to give away too much, but where Suri takes over and becomes a Black Panther. What would you like to see? Well, that's one of the things and stuff that I was always rather curious about, is that even with the success of the Black Panther movie, it always seemed like they were pushing the start of the second Black Panther farther and farther away. I'm like, why are you guys pushing it so far away to do the second movie? So to me, that always was something that was kind of suspicious. And, you know, even like, you know, two years ago, there were rumors and stuff that we were going to get Shuri as uh, the new Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I just think that it's too soon to bring in another actor to actually be the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You know, Chadwick's performance was so awesome and it's, you know, touched so many people's hearts that I think that if you're going to do, you know, a, a Black Panther movie, you know, maybe it just needs to be a Wakanda movie. Mm. And maybe it should be something that they'd like to do in the comic books. There's uh, plenty of comic books out there that have the adventures of uh, the, the different characters from the show. So maybe do a Wakandan movie without the Black Panther spotlighting some of the other characters having an adventure. Mm. And finally, Tony, the legacy of Chadwick Boseman, he was the right actor. He was the perfect actor for this role. No doubt. I mean, like I said, he was a great actor anyway. I mean, the fact that, you know, he got to play uh, James Brown. Okay, he got to play Jackie Robinson. He got to play Thurgood Marshall. You know, like I said, in that small, like, seven-year time period, he got to play iconic characters and was able to do all of them at a high level. Um, I just heard uh, on my way in today that uh, AMC Theaters is going to be releasing... 42 again in the theaters mm-hmm. you know so people can actually see you know how talented Chadwick is mm-hmm. and of course 42 tells the story of Jackie Robinson Tony K the owner of Challenges Comics and Games thank you so much for taking the time I, I really appreciate it I gotta get over there and check out your store man oh yeah definitely come by we got a very diverse selection now if I wanted to try something new get into a new comic book I mean, I, I, I got to be honest, I kind of grew up a little bit of a DC fan, you know, just being honest. But what, what would you recommend for me? Something I could get into with the women, you know, kicking butt, too. I need that. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Well, actually, there's a, a a few titles and stuff that are really popular right now. Let's see, DC. I can do Marvel too. I mean, you know, I can do that. Well, there's a, a new female Green Lantern book. Really? That's really been popular. Uh-huh. That a lot of people are getting into. That might be something that you might want to try. Uh-huh. But I would also suggest that it's one of the things that we support very heavily here in the store. We carry a lot of independent comics by a lot of different creators. You know, I would definitely suggest you come in and try, you know, some of those different things out. Uh, there's things like Bitterroot that's going to be made into a TV show. Uh, there's uh, independent books like Route 3, which are really good. You know, so if you came into the store, I'll probably take you over to our indie section and let you check out some of the stuff by some of the, you know, local creators. Now, I've done a segment, and I'm real cool with the fellas that that do um, the Tuskegee Airs, which I really love. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Greg Burnham. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, those cats are very talented, so I'll have to come over there. Oh, yeah, Marcus is in high demand. Marcus Williams, the artist. Now, let me ask you this, Tony, and I hope I don't get you in trouble, but what is the most coveted comic book that folks are still looking for? Like the Holy Grail. Strangely enough, right now it's people want, and I tease people with my first appearance of the Black Panther. You know, yeah. people really want that book right now. Like I said, I would never sell. People ask me all the time and stuff when I show them my Avengers or X Men number ones. They're like, "Oh man, you know, why haven't you sold those?" And I'm like, "That's the part of of collecting. You know, you collect to have. You know." Now, are you like, telling me, Tony? There is no dollar amount that you for you that would make you part with those no come on like i said when you have money at least when i have money (laughs) all right the main thing and stuff that i do with money is pay bills and that's one of the things and stuff that when i first started having a shop that really disturbed me because i was selling books that i had remember trading for and hunting for when i was a kid and I would sell these books and I would use them to pay rent and my lease. Wow. And I'm like, the whole idea of taking something that I've gone through the trouble of finding and collecting and that I really care about having and trading it for money, that's just something that I was never into. I understand. You know, that's why I never got into the whole speculation thing. That's why it's like I had Black Panther number one, you know, 30 years ago. You know, because I wanted to have the first appearance of the Black Panther. You know, I had Luke Cage, number one, because I wanted to have the first appearance of Luke Cage. You know, as a kid and stuff, I thought it was really cool and stuff having the first appearances of all these cool black characters. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later that all of these books got popular and they went up in value, but I already had them because I had a love for the characters. So we saw Black Panther in Fantastic Four. Was that in the 60s, the late 60s? Yes, it is. Wow. Do you have that one? Yes. I tell oh, you. Oh, and while I'm thinking about it, though, the Green Lantern book uh, that I was just mentioning to you, mm-hmm. it's called Far Sector. All right. I'm going to check that out. It's got a female Green Lantern, and that book is hot. It has been selling off the shelves. I can't even get the trade paperback in stock. So oh, if you're a DC fan and you want to support like a cool black female character, Far Sector is the way to go. I'm there. And also, one other thing, you know, this week, I imagine it was always a big weekend for you, Tony, because of Dragon Con. It's different this year. Um, will you take a huge financial hit? You going to be okay? Uh, like I said, you know, I've 
trimmed the fat quite a bit. We've gotten the stuff where, you know, I'm not over ordering on any products or anything, you know, so we're basically, you know, where we are, you know, where we need to be, you know, I've made it and stuff so that we shouldn't have any financial problems. Not having a convention season, you know, kind of hurts. You know, we actually do uh, a convention here in the mall back in March. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we actually had to cancel it four days before the show. Mm-hmm. And this is something where we had like over 50 vendors and like 60 hours worth of programming. You know, but, you know, because a lot of people who work for the CDC were helping us with the show, I was advised that it would be very unsafe for us to try to do a show. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good for the public. And so we had to like shut it down. And that was a f- big financial hit, uh-huh. you know, but we're able to recover from it and hopefully do another show in the future. Absolutely. Well, hang in there, Tony. I really appreciate you taking the time. Tony Cade, the owner of Challenges Comics and Games. And we've been talking about the legacy and the work of Chadwick Bozeman. Tony, appreciate you taking the time. I'll come hang out at your store, I promise. All right, well, come on by. We can introduce you to a lot of cool stuff. All right. And as we wrap up this edition of Closer Look, we leave you with some words from Chadwick Bozeman during his commencement speech at Howard University, his alma mater, in 2018. Speaking to graduates, but the message he gave on finding your purpose is universal. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Graduating class, hear me well on this day. When you hit this day, when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you would rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. And that's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelley Canavy. And if you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash closer look. And of course, we're available as a podcast. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.